If you have your Bibles, go with me to Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah 31. And then would you stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word? I'm going to read two verses. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 31. They're verse 33 and 34. The Lord says, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them and to the greatest of them saith the Lord it's that last phrase I want you to get those last two sentences for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Would you stretch your hand this direction? Pray God's anointing on his word and upon his servant. Join with me. Father, we bless you today. <clears throat> Thank you for the word of God, the word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We sent your spirit here today and we pray that the word would just quicken us, quicken us even now. Somebody's going to leave out of here with the victory today, Lord. I believe that. Someone's going to go out of here walking on the, on the high places, sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And Lord, now just anoint your servant, anoint your word, for without your anointing, we'll do nothing but be destructive. And Lord, but with your anointing, God, we can, we can hear, we can receive, we can communicate. We thank you and we praise you for the word of God. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. And the church said... Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Forgive and forget. Forgive and forget. The last time we were together, we were in Psalms 130 and we were talking about forgiveness. And in that message that morning, the psalmist asked the question, if God, who is the supreme judge, was marking iniquities or sins, who would be able to stand? We would have no hope. But we rejoiced in the reality of what the next verse said. For the next verse said, there is forgiveness with the Lord. The debt has been completely taken care of through the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. In that message that morning, I asked the question, what is on the Lord's mind when he thinks about you? Is he marking the sins down in your life? And let me say quickly, 
and very forthright that if you would be here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're unsaved, you're unrepentant, you're not redeemed, Jesus looks and all he sees is your tainted life filled with sin. Now, he loves you deeply, but he still sees your sin-stained life. And for the record, anyone that calls themselves a Christian but lives in open sin, they may say one thing, but the Lord knows the real thing. And anyone that lives in open sin still needs to repent and confess to the Lord and flee your open sin. This morning, let's talk about the mind of the Lord. Now, we could say a, a lot about the mind and the memory of mankind in research called Things Most Forgotten. Karen Bola, a John Hopkins researcher, states the following are the things people most often forget. Names was 83%. How many of you struggle remembering names? That's about 83% of y'all. Where something is, 60%. You walk into a room to get something, get to the room and forgot the something that you came for. Telephone numbers, 57%. And now with cell phones, we hardly even remember our own numbers. Words, 53%. What was said, 49%. My wife would say I'm definitely part of that 49% for sure. Of course, I come back with, you never said that to me. Faces, 42%. Aren't you grateful today that God has a better memory than that? Wouldn't it be sad if our Lord forgot that we asked him for a miracle yesterday afternoon at 3 o'clock? Would it not be a tragedy if our Heavenly Father forgot to assign the angels to watch over us last night as we slept? Thank God, and I don't understand it, that even though we are created in the image of Almighty God, every one of us, there are some stark contrasting differences. God remembers everything about us. He remembers our address or the angels wouldn't know where to go to protect us. He remembers our prayers or miracles wouldn't be taking place and answers wouldn't be on their way. God remembers our actions and our acts of service or else he would have no reference point to one day say, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, and now I will make you ruler over many. Enter thou into the joys of the Lord. Malachi tells us that God remembers when you reverence him. When you reverence God, he remembers it. 
The Bible says in Malachi that when you think upon the name of the Lord, God remembers. The scripture tells us that God remembers his covenant, his promises he made to us. Psalms 105 and verse 8 says he has remembered his covenant forever. Praise the Lord today. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere at all times in every place. You cannot escape from the presence of the Lord because he is omnipresent. Thank God he is omnipotent, which means he's all powerful. There's nothing in your life that he doesn't have the power to help you overcome because he is an all-powerful God. But can I also say, say not only is he omnipresent, present and omnipotent, but he is omniscient. He is all-knowing. God knows everything. God sees everything. God is aware of everything going on in your life. Can someone say praise the Lord? But if God can do anything, and I truly believe that he can, then one of the greatest things that he can do for you is to choose not to remember the sins of your past. Oh, praise the Lord. In Psalms 25 and verse 7, the psalmist said, Remember not the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. In Psalm 79 and verse 8, the scripture says, Lord, remember not against us our former iniquities. It is literally a miracle. God who knows all things, God who sees all things, God is aware of all things, and yet he chooses to forget our sins that have been forgiven. I'm not sure exactly how the miracle takes place, but it is a miracle. If you go to Hebrews chapter 10, you will read first that over the course of the first six, uh, 4,000 years of man's existence, that there were animal sacrifices by the millions in the Old Testament. And the scripture says that every time there were animal sacrifices, it brought about annually, every year, a remembrance of mankind's sins. But second, in that same chapter, it says, through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ, the sins have not just been covered, but taken away, and the remembrance of sin has been erased. Oh, praise the Lord. Under the old system, under the old covenant, under all the animal sacrifices, every year, every time somebody would offer a calf or a lamb or a turtle dove, it would be a remembrance of man's transgressions and iniquity. But praise God, one day, our Lord, the Lamb of God, God that takes away the sin of the world walked up the Via Della Rosa, laid himself down on a cross, and gave his life for you and I. And it was no longer necessary for there to be any more animal sacrifices. And there was no longer necessary for us to remember sins that have been put under the blood of the Lamb of God. Thanks be unto God, my sins are forgiven, and what is forgiven is forgotten in Jesus' name. Blood cleanses us. Blood covers us. Our sin stains 
are lost in its life-giving flow. And that's why we sing the old song. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I've come by to preach to you today that he forgives. And when he forgives, he forgets. Now, I'm going to preach whether you help me or not. And if you don't help me, I'm going to preach twice as long. Jeremiah 31 and 34. Listen to what it says. I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. My son has told me before, I am forgetful. My wife has told me before, I am forgetful. My parents would say, my memory is not foolproof. And I stand before you, sometimes I'm still in denial. But I want you to get this in your spirit this morning. Your father is forgiving. And your father is forgetful of your forgiven sins. And your father is faithful uh, to forgive. Oh, let me just tell you what Micah says. Micah says that he will take all your sins and cast them behind his back. Well, praise the Lord. He will cast them behind his back. Now I want you to understand what that means. Our God is so powerful and so big and so vast that the heaven of heavens cannot contain him. He holds the expanse of the universe between his thumb and his index finger. The scripture says he sits upon the circle of the earth. So when he takes your forgiven sins and casts them behind your back, it's a big deal. I said it's a big deal. And I want to tell someone today that needs to hear it that when God God forgives you of your sins and casts them behind your back. There's not a devil in hell. There's not a person on this earth that's tall enough to get up over top of God to see your sins that have been cast behind his back. There's not a person that's strong enough or broad enough to go around God's left side or right side and find the sins that have been cast behind your back. I'm telling you today, somebody needs to get this in your spirit. When you say, Jesus, I failed you last week. Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus, I told a lie and I'm sorry that I did it. Let me tell you, when you do it with a broken and contrite heart, he takes that lie. He throws it behind his back and there's no one in the earth or under the earth that ought to bring it back up and throw it in your face. If it's forgiven by the Father, it's forgotten by the Father. Listen to this. Micah says, He will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. This past week we had a little event. A Russian plane clipped, collided with an American drone. And then... When the drone went down, it went down in the Black Sea. The Russians were scrambling to get there, trying to get one up on the Americans. And the Americans were scrambling to get there, 
to make sure that the Russians couldn't get one up on the Americans. All scrambling to get there. They said that the debris in the Black Sea would be hard to find because it would be four to 5,000 feet deep in the Black Sea. And I thought, well, I hope the Russians don't find anything. And I hope that if anybody finds anything, obviously, I'm hoping the American forces find it and keep our secrets as they are. I understand all that. But I'm telling you, as I sit there and thought about that, I thought about my sins that have been put under the blood. They've not only been cast behind his back, but they've also been thrown into the depths of the sea. Oh, they may find the remnants of that drone in, in four or 5,000 deep in the, in the Black Sea, but they won't find my forgiven sins. Oh, I wish somebody would give the Lord a shout of praise. Every adultery, every fornication, every time I got drunk, every time I smoked something I shouldn't have smoked it, every time I popped a pill, every time I was gluttonous, Every time I lied, every time I stole, anything that I'd done, if I came to the Lord in a broken and contrite heart, he not only threw it behind his back, but he buried it into the deepest parts of the sea where no one can recover it. He's faithful to forgive. And therefore... He's faithful to forget. Can I come down here? Why in the world I'm asking y'all permission? I don't know. I've always believed, Brother Fred, that when Jesus came to this earth, when he left glory and stepped into this sin-filled world, came as a babe, I've never believed that he was half God and half man. I've always believed that he was 100% God and 100% man. This week the Lord took me to John chapter 8. And in John chapter 8, there's a woman that's been caught in adultery. The religious leaders have brought her to the feet of the Lord. They've cast her down in his presence. The law says she should be stoned. Jesus done a little doodling in the sand. He didn't answer them right away. They're waiting on an answer. He finally looked up and he said, Which one of you that is without sin cast the first stone mm. from the eldest to the youngest they began to leave until finally it was just doodling Jesus in the sand and the woman the accused standing there in front of him he looked up and he said these words woman where are thine accusers and she said back to him Lord I have no accusers and then you know what he said Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I know, give me a little latitude here, but I believe probably what happened, he went off after that encounter, and the disciples looked at him, and maybe it was old, impulsive Simon Peter. 
Again, give me some latitude. This is not in the Bible, but I'm the woman with the microphone right now. I could hear Simon Peter saying to him, Lord, don't you realize that last month, last week, last night, that woman was in a bed with someone that was not her husband? And Jesus probably looked at him and said, nope, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. I passed along her freedom from condemnation. And once I did that, she has a clear slate. I wish somebody in the house of God would give the Lord praise for the day you knelt. You were blackened with sin, but you were washed with red blood, and you were cleansed white as snow. You've got a clean slate when your sins are forgiven. Go with me to Mark chapter 2. The place is packed. Jesus is in a room full of people. And there was a man that was paralyzed, and he had four friends. They couldn't get in because of the crowd. So the scripture says that they went on top of the roof, and they tore open the roof. And they lowered the man down right in the middle of the crowd. They made room for it. Jesus looked at the man Paralyzed, laying on his mat. He said to him, your sins be forgiven you. The religious leaders flipped out. This man's committing blasphemy. He don't have the right and the authority to forgive this man of his sins. Jesus looked at him, and this is what he said. So that you know that the Son of Man has power and authority to forgive this man of his sins, I'm going to say to him now, take up your bed and walk. The Bible says he got up and took up his bed and walked out of there. The man came in with his back on his bed, and when he left, he had his bed on his back. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe just allow me to surmise for a moment, but there's a disciple whose name was Philip, and I'm just going to assume him being the calculative one, the one who's wrapped up in the loaves and the fishes and how much they have versus how big the crowd is. I can imagine Philip probably came up to him and said, Lord, I noticed that you forgave him of his sin. What sin did he commit? And the Lord says, I don't know. I can't remember. Why is that? Because even though I'm on earth, I'm still God. I'm still God in the flesh. And what I put under the blood, what I have forgiven, is no longer in my memory. Can I just make this personal today? Let's talk about your pastor for a little bit. So I have 10 things that I pray about. I try to every day. Go ahead and put them up. If you want to screenshot them, screenshot them. I think every person ought to have a heart of repentance every day. Did you hear me? Every day. I don't have a whole lot to pray about. I tell you what, you start with these 10 things right here, you won't have a problem filling up your time clock. Come on, somebody help me preach here. This cheap grace mentality that's going on in the church, don't you be deceived by it. Every day, you better search your heart before God. 
every day. So, this is how I start my prayer day. 99% of my prayer days, this is the 10 things I repent over. I talk about sin in my life, and I get down to specifics. I talk about idols. You know, an idol, you know what an idol is? Anything that competes with your loyalty to Jesus. That can be something, that can be someone. And let me tell you, God knows how to remove some things and some ones if you put them before the Lord. I pray about my motives. It's not just what you do for the Lord, it's why you do it. I heard Benny Tate say this a few weeks ago. It stuck with me. God's, Jesus is more than willing to share his power with you, but he is not willing to share his glory with you. I pray over my motives. I pray, I search my heart for unforgiveness. Unforgiveness doesn't have to be a person I know. It could be the person that just cut me off in traffic. That's the truth. I've encountered people that fume for hours over somebody cut them off in traffic. I repent over being stingy. I repent and talk to the Lord about the way I treat my wife. Let me just stop here and tell you something, men, women. Don't expect God to answer your prayers if you mistreat your spouse. That's Bible. I could take you through the scripture and show you. I kind of felt that bounce back. That's okay, I'll give it to you again. You treat your spouse like a second-rate citizen, don't expect God to answer your prayers. Now, when my Lord says you need to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. She is not under you. She is not over you. She is beside you. She is your partner. Thank you, Jesus. So, yeah, my words, my thoughts, my deeds, my attitude, this is what's happening. A week ago, Monday night, I'm prayer walking. Tony and Chris are dropping off donuts. I'm trying to have a moment with the Lord, and Tony's got to stop and tell me about he's delivering donuts. And Chrissy's got to fuss because I'm not wearing enough reflective gear because it's getting dark. But in my moment with Jesus, now I want you, I'm going to be very practical here. The last time I prayed was Sunday morning before service. So Sunday morning I prayed. We had church. I'd gone over these things Sunday morning. I hadn't prayed since Sunday morning. I'm just being honest with you, so I'm praying Monday night. I'm prayer walking. I'm going through these ten things. Oh, Lord, help me. Forgive me of the sin in my life. Oh, Lord, I don't want any idols in my heart. Lord, the motives, what I do, I want to do for your glory, not for my own selfish purposes. God, I want you to check the words and my thoughts, my attitude. I, Lord, I, I want you to forgive me of my attitude. I caught myself. Or more importantly, the Holy Spirit caught me. Because I caught myself saying, Lord, for that action last week, I'm sorry. 
for that conversation I was involved in last week. I'm sorry. And the Holy Spirit stopped me and said, I don't remember any of that. Why? Because I was referencing something from last week that I had already repented over Sunday morning. Come on, somebody's going to get it today. I'm not promoting cheap grace. Grace is free to receive, but it's expensive to keep. But I'm telling you, once you have given your life to Christ and once you daily repent, you need to get up from that altar of contrition and live in the victory knowing that what Jesus has forgiven you from, he has forgotten about you. What I realized that Monday night, and this is what the Holy Spirit said, said, you really need to be talking to me about the last 30 hours, not the last seven days. I'm giving you truth here. Because, see, there's too many believers that are self-loathing over their past. I have known people that have left the town that they loved because they wanted to run away from their reputation before they got saved. But what this preacher has come by to tell you today is that once you give your life to Christ, once you repent over your sins, he forgives you and then he throws it behind his back He throws it into the depths of the sea. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And so what you need to do is to stand up and square your shoulders. The devil's always going to be the accuser of the brethren. He's always going to throw up your past. But quite the contrary, Jesus will never throw up your forgiven past because there is now no condemnation to them who are in Christ. Jesus. There's couples in this church that I beg God to heal their marriage. Let me go on record. I didn't say it, but in that same book of Malachi, it states. God hates divorce. So you couples that are at each other's throats and coming in here and lifting up your hands to God, you need to go back to the Lord and you need to say, Lord, forgive me. And then when he has forgiven you, then you need to forgive your spouse. Well, you don't know what they've done to me. They have done nothing worse to you than you have ever done to Jesus. 
Well, they committed adultery on me. Well, let me tell you something. Every time you step out and give your allegiance to another God over Jesus, you're committing adultery against the Lord. And yet when you repent, he forgives you for it. I'm in good and deep, ain't I? I'm trying to help you. Now, don't miss this. You got to repent. You have to repent. You have to be sorry for what you've done. If you're wrapped up in pornography, men, and I say it because men are more wrapped up in it and tempted by it than women are. Oh, the Holy Spirit's helping me here. You have started a journey, men, that you don't want to travel down. And here's the truth. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And before you ever get into that physical relationship, if you've been on a website or on a Facebook page or something that's questionable in nature, pornographic in nature, you have already committed adultery against your wife. there's grace, there's mercy, there's forgiveness. I'm going to be very careful here. I'll just stay with that example. Well, pastor, he keeps going on that site time and time and time again. He's tempted, he falls, he comes back, he grovels, he cries, and he says, I'm sorry. And until you become as God, the God that said, forgive them 70 times 7 times 7 over and over and over again, until you can take his position, if there's true contrition and repentance, you have to forgive them. As a matter of fact, let me just go ahead and tell you, you have to forgive them anyway. Man, it's really deep right up in here. He was hanging on the cross, one of the famous last seven sayings that he said. There wasn't a person there, not a person around that cross that said, Lord, I'm sorry that we're doing this to you. Not one soul, including the disciples, said while he was hanging on that cross, I'm sorry that we're doing this to you. But without anyone saying it to him, he cried out and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How does it work? Preacher, how does it work? I'm going to tell you how it works. I, I don't, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. We talk about miracles of healing, and, but it's a miracle that he forgives my sin and that he forgets my sin. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a good checklist. I probably left some things off, but this evolved in the last three years in my life. 
It has changed me. The adulterous woman, her sins were forgiven. The man lowered through the roof, his sins were forgiven. How does it happen? I'll tell you how it happens. Listen very carefully. How does the Lord do this? I'll tell you how he does it. When you repent of your sins, your sins are replaced with his mercy. That's not my opinion. That's Bible. Listen. Psalms 25 and 6. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. Watch this. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. And then he said, according to your mercy, remember me. For your goodness sake. Remember me. Let me just, I, I feel like I need to say this again. Now, I'm hoping and praying that, that a boatload of you are going to start taking repentance seriously in your daily walk with God. I'm serious. Because I've been there. I've known what it's like to pray and ask God for this and this and this and this for for me and for Johnny and for my family and all of this stuff, reel off all these things that I need God to do and not even take inventory of my own walk with the Lord. I've been there. I've done it. Daily. You see, here's, here's what's happening in our culture today. More than ever before, no one wants to take personal responsibility. But God has not changed. God has not changed. He wants a relationship with you. He loves you. He wants to commune with you. But He is a holy God. And a holy God requires us to come into His presence with clean hands and a pure heart. That's why I start out my time. Because if I don't start out my time searching my heart, then the rest of my prayer time is in vain. Well, what do you mean? Well, I can reel off several things I need God to do, several things I want the Lord to do for me, but if I regard iniquity or sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Isaiah, listen, Isaiah says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. Boy, I love that part. Love to stop there. But the next part says, but your iniquities, your sins, have separated you from your God that he will not hear you. This ain't theoretical stuff, folks. This is word. But when you repent, Hebrews 8, 12 says, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. 
What a powerful verse. Mercy becomes God's focused when you are forgiven from your past. He's faithful to forgive. And he's faithful to forget. You don't have to leave this service loathing yourself a moment longer. Grace. A man comes to my mind. Most of you know him, some of you don't. We laid him to rest a few years ago. His name was Bones. I couldn't remember his first name. My life depended on it. But I do remember Bones. Bones was as rough as they come. I learned years ago that Bones done some pretty bad stuff. But Bones found a relationship with Christ. This church, knowing his past, showed him great grace. I was told at the time when the choir broke out, new choir robes. If I, my memory serves me right, they were blue and silver. And Bones was an avid Cowboys fan. I think he thought they were purchased for him. I was told that Bones for a long time couldn't drive. Didn't drive, so the church made a special place for him to park his riding lawnmower. Am I right? Because of grace and mercy. I guarantee you there's some in the community some in the town, some in the county that would have loved to have referenced his past. But if you ask Jesus about those acts from years ago, the Lord would say, I don't remember. Man, I feel the Holy Spirit in this place. It is of his mercies we are not consumed. His mercies are new every morning. You've got them. They may be laying in the bed with you at night. They may be your children. They may be your parents. They may be your siblings. They may be your co-workers. And they may proclaim to be a Christian, but anyone that wants to constantly point out your forgiven past is acting more like their old daddy, the devil, than they are their new daddy, God the Father. Bow your heads with me. You're here in, you're here this moment, this moment, 
and you, and you are lost and you know you are lost and you're ready to lay down the sins and the iniquities of your past, whether that be last month, last week, or yesterday. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm just going to ask you to get up right now and come down to this altar because once he forgives you, he sets you free. Let me talk to the believers for a moment. Listen carefully, because I know you're here. There are forgiven Christians in this room, forgiven people of God, children of God. And today, the Lord, the Holy Spirit is telling you, you need to lay down the opinions of others, past or present. The Holy Spirit is leading me to challenge you to lay down the loathing and the unforgiveness of yourself. It's time to unload the weight of accusation and condemnation and be free once and for all. You may have some things you need to pray over. You may have some things you need to repent over. Maybe you've done that before you came to church today, but there's that. There's that condemnation that you feel. There's that self-loathing that goes on. That I am useless. I am worthless. That is a lie from the devil. You are the apple of God's eyes. He loves you with an everlasting love. It's time to shed the opinions of others about your past. It's time. It's time. It's time. You're coming. Come on, there's others. There's others. It's time to lay them down. It's time to lay them down. Some of you may need to give somebody some forgiveness. You got this whole thing, well, I'll forgive them, but I'll never trust them again. Well, let me tell you, you may call it burying the hatchet, but you've left the handle long and exposed. For you to go to back and, and pull it up. You say, you don't understand my situation. No, I do not understand your situation, but I know this. The God that made a covenant with you and forgave you expects you to live that covenant out with others in your life. Forgive and forget. Come on, there's others. Come on, there's others. I need some compassionate brothers and sisters up here quickly. Elders, spouses, ministry staff, spouses, where yet? I need some compassionate folks up here. Because this is not an easy battle that they're fighting. Some of them are up here and they deal with, with hating themselves. Some of them are up here and they deal with, they're constantly in somebody else's prisons, somebody else's prisons of opinions. And today, 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 
He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. My Lord, you that have come up for prayer, would you just lift your hands to the Lord right now? Lord, I surrender. I am not I am not going to walk out of this place in condemnation anymore. I am not I'm not going to go out of this place hating myself. I'm not going to go out of this place imprisoned by others' opinions. I'm going to go out in the freedom and the liberty and the love. <laughs> That's right. Break those chains. Break those chains. Break those chains. Break those chains. Break those chains, Lord. Break those chains. Lord, I put it. I put it under the blood. It's under the blood. It's forgiven. It's been replaced by your mercy. It's been replaced by your grace. It's <laughs> I may have some things I need to search out in my own heart. But once I've done it in contrition and brokenness, it's under the blood. It's under the blood. It's under the blood. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Stretch your hand this direction, would you? Would you stretch your hand this direction? Would you pray right now in the name of Jesus? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The keys are being given. The locks are being opened. They're being unlocked. The cells are opening. I'm walking out in Jesus' name. I'm walking out in Jesus' name. I'm walking out. In Jesus' name. There is power in the name of Jesus. Break chains today. There is power in the name Hallelujah. of Jesus. Hallelujah. I want you to stand with me all over this place. Maybe you're not in this place today. But I want you to worship him and thank him for breaking the chains in your life. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, you're able to. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. Oh, yes. There is power. Break 